This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This year, build your credit history with the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. No credit checks to apply. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Chime checking account and a 200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, Georgie, check for Dadsy, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. <laughs> only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms supply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, Maureen, let's try again, shall we? This is called adding. If I have two beans, and then I add two more beans, what do I have? Some beans. <laughs> yes and no. Let's try again, shall we? I have two beans, then I add two more beans. What does that make? A very small casserole. Leicester City have a penalty kick in the sixth minute of injury time. Injury time, injury time. Look out, takes, Almunia saves, knock out, follows in, Almunia saves again. And now Wapner on the counter-attack. Forestieri. Oh, I don't believe this. Here's Hawk. Dini! I do not believe what I've just seen. Troy has scored from a Leicester penalty that was saved by Almunia. Do not scratch your eyes. Do not scratch your eyes. Do not scratch your eyes. So the financial accounts are out ending June 2023. A few noticeable things in there. First of all, is the fact that it's been released early, which I see as a as a positive. Um, normally, these don't get released until literally the last knockings of the 31st of March when they're when they are having to be released. But fair credit to the club, it's out on the uh, on the 7th of February and it's come out. And over the last few years, we've known that we've been making loss, uh, losses and losses, and there has been care and concern over debt. So what are the headline items here? Well, first of all, because this is a championship year that it's looking at, because it's going from literally July 22 to, well, last June, basically. So it was covering a championship season. The turnover did indeed drop. Dramatically, as it literally always does when you fall out of the Premier League. However, it is more than our former championship stay that we had had. Obviously, that was during the the pandemic. So literally every form of income stream fell off a cliff in that particular year. So our income has uh, come down to 66 million, which is, uh, as ever, it's it's nigh on a 50% drop. Technically, it's a 48% drop. Interestingly, in the last year, And if you look at the trends, the year prior to that, obviously when we were in the Premiership, there was seemingly already some additional husbandry going on with the club because they reduced the the wages significantly. They have done so again, and they have brought the wages down to 49 million, which is a drop of nearly 40%. Now, you could look at it and say, well, have we bought it down so much that uh, we didn't have a decent go at trying to get back up into the Premier League? That's for you to decide, and that's for you to think. However... I'm going to be looking at this primarily through the lens of finances and sustainability and stability for the club. So anybody who's kind of saving 40% 
approximately 38% with wages of, of 49 million. That's a good thing. It's gone in the right way in terms of it being sustainable. If you think that translates badly on the pitch last season, we probably would think that. That's down to you. No problem at all. Now, we haven't made a loss. However, it's very important to note that the player trading made £59 million. So had we not made that, we would have made a loss in terms of trading, operational trading or earnings before uh, interest and taxation, as they call it, of £27 million. So the operational side of the club is still losing money a great deal. However, it was made up for by the player sales of £59 million. It also kind of explains why, if you will recall last April why Yao Pedro was seemingly sold in in the April. We still had those three or four games to go. We knew it wasn't going to make it. And suddenly he wasn't being played in the last games of the season. We kind of commented about this and I'm sure everybody noticed what was going on. That was seemingly the reason. It, it has improved these particular accounts and it means that we weren't kind of break even. We've actually made, you know, a, a level of profit because we've gone from a £27 million trading loss to adding on 59 million pounds of player sales so that that was that was something there that was that that was the profit on the sales because we actually sold players of 76 million and made purchases ourselves of 11 million so there has been a lot of discussion about whether or not we now sell players and we no longer invest we did make sales 76 million and we made purchases of 11 million however the question will be how many purchases have we made since that Yao Pedro purchase, because that was made in the last knockings and give this a, not a false impression, but it gives it an impression that you kind of think, well, we've, we've paid 11 million, we've sold 76 million pounds, therefore there's a, a kind of a 59 million pound profit on that, which kind of takes us into into a nice, into the black, as they would describe it. So that's that's something. Anyway, the good news is when we have profit, there's the debt that's coming down. But we'll get on to that in a minute. The total income, as we say, dropped off from, from, a, from a Premier League season. It's always going to, because so much of our revenue is dependent on the TV income, because it's so vast in the Premiership. So it makes all of our other operations, it, it simply dwarfs them when we are in the Premier as opposed to when we are in the championship. The the previous championship, as I mentioned, was 57 million. Last year's was 66.2. So there's a there's a growth there of 9 million. But as I mentioned, the pandemic will have affected that greatly. So does it mean there's organic growth? Possibly not. We know that there are gaps in hospitality, uh, etc. We know it's a difficult market. We know it's hard to really fill the stadium when we're playing championship football. Last year's or the year before in the premiership was 120. 28 million. So going from 128 million down to 66 million, it's still very prudent for us to worry about making sure that it's uh, that, that we're doing the right thing and trying to make sure the debt is recovered. We had the third highest revenue in terms of the championship, only behind uh, Sheffield United and Norwich. West Brom were in there. All of those clubs were, were parachute payment clubs. So that's why that would have been artificially boosted in comparison to the rest of uh, in, in comparison to the rest of the championship but even with that of course we weren't able to make really any indent on the promotion side the match day income is is fairly consistent from the previous years in terms of 6.8 so that's how much money is going through the turnstiles now you might remember last year we spoke about how much of the termination of contracts actually got paid out and it et that match day revenue We'll have a look and see how much that is this year. Because, of course, 
in the last year, we did have some uh, some, some terminations of contracts, etc. We went through three managers. This year, not so much. Hopefully, that's been that's been learned. The parachute payments and and the player sales combined helped us smooth into the being a championship club, and they reduced, as I mentioned earlier on, the wage bill. They started doing that last year. They have continued to cut this year in terms of the wages. Now, the parachute payments, which we've all been discussing, they're going to be ending at the end of this season, so that's not going to be there for us next season. So we're going to have to uh, we're going to have to be looking out and seeing how much further this can be this can be reduced. We've made a profit this year through player sales. However, we haven't through an operational sales. So what does that suggest? That would suggest to me, and I think to many others, that in order to not make a loss, we have to play a trade. This is not a surprise. This is what the Pozzo model has previously kind of lauded itself about and onto. But it will probably mean that, I don't know, Andrews, Aspria, etc. will probably be, uh, be, be moving on or players of value, maybe Kone, in the upcoming transfer window in the summer. Uh, I did see, as we're talking today, that Galatasaray, who, because the Turkish window doesn't shut until later on in February, were were kind of pouring over Aspria. If they made a move, would they would they weaken the squad further by losing young Aspria? Well, they've got Tom Ince, and they were seemingly happy to, uh, to to let him go. Perhaps he might move to Turkey, as was as was mooted. But I'm not sure anybody wanted uh, want, wanted him um, at his you know current contracted wages, so to speak. So in terms of the commercial revenue, we were at 11.1 million, which was which which was fine. However, that was a big reduction on last year. Last year. Seemingly, we had a vast increase in the commercial revenue, and we lauded this as a real, real positive. And then Kieran Maguire of The Price of Football mentioned in one of his analyses on it that actually a lot of the TV revenue had actually been moved and re recategorized to commercial. So it's hard to compare and contrast whether or not that's better than last year, but it's certainly in the top kind of five or six in the division. So no 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 slouching there. How does it compare to last year? We really can't say. Last year, you will remember that we had the uh, the kind of 50% clause where people would take a 50% cut in their contracts that if we were relegated from the Premier League, literally uh, as, as close to as, as was negotiated in the contract, it would basically reduce by 50%. But we still had some players in there with large uh, large salaries, shall we say. Loser, for example, was on circa 30 to 32 before he's gone out on loan. How much of that we're still paying? We don't know. We will see. However, it has been further trimmed this year, as I've mentioned. This then comes on to probably the most contentious point that has been discussed on social media and it's kind of trending on Twitter, which is in comparison to putting in that 50% reduction when we are a Premier League side, we only have one paid director, one executive director, and he's also the CEO, he's also the chairman, and he's the only executive director in in Scott Duxbury. And his salary, it was already good. It seems to definitely be uh, the highest or second highest in the the actual division. The the one that uh, that was last year, higher up than that, was actually Luton Town had one in. Now, the question will be about that. Was that a base salary or was that a massive bonus due to them getting promotion? I know we don't want to talk about that, but there we go. Interestingly, and the point being made to combine the last two points is that that salary 
did not reduce in the same way that players' salaries did. And that's been a a bone of contention uh, online since because it wasn't a great year. Turnover has reduced by 50% as it's going to because of the football situation. No, nothing necessarily about the commercials. And as I say, we can't see whether or not the commercials has greatly enhanced since. However, if we look at the commercials and the matchday operation value at being circa, let's be kind, 20 million, can that really sustain a CEO's value at a million pounds or they're close close or close or thereabouts i'm not sure it can be interesting to see what responses for example andrew french gets from from putting that question across um to uh, to to the ceo when he gets to speak to him at some point as i mentioned the ebit losses which stands for earnings before interest and tax went up to 25 26 27 27 million which basically means we're losing about half a million a week just in operations. So we have to make sales in order to cover that. We can't get away from that. It's absolutely required. However, the question becomes, we get to June and the transfer window opens up. Let's say we sell Espria. Let's say we sell Andrews. Let's say we sell Kone. Who is next for the following season to be able to take that, to take the, the hit on that? We might be able to make up for the shortfall by selling one, two or all three of those players to cover it. We haven't seen much investment in the transfer window this year, so it's, we'd, we'd have to see something organically coming through. We're not seeing any promotion from the uh, from the academy itself, so it's doubtful that you would see uh, somebody you know coming through, such as Jack Greaves, and immediately making his way through and out the club um, in the same way that Ryan Andrews does or has. But it's it might be possible, but he'd need to be included in the matchday squad and get games in order to do that. That's a big issue. We're still trading at a loss, trading at a loss, but player sales are making the difference and turning us into uh, into profit. Now, I've got to say this. At Parlacci Gino, that is exactly consistent with what Scott Duxbury and Gino Pozzo said. We have to have a player trading model. Now, one of the things is, is we have to look at our player trading over what period has made us how much money. We will, of course, all remember the Yao Pedros. We'll remember those ones that, you know, came through and shot through and made us money. Richarlison's. We'll remember Abdoulaye Decore, although we held on to him for too long. He could have gone to PSG, rumoured for 50 million at one at one stage. The question is, is are we making those initial investments in order to actually then cash in at a later stage? Because at the moment, and in the last transfer window, of course, we saw a number of players going out on loan. Now, for example, Loser, it could be argued, is actually promoting his resale by going to La Havre and performing in Liga uh, rather than not playing for us. That could be seen as a, as a good move from a uh, from a player development point of view. He, he started off certainly on you know, reasonably well and on fire, so we will see. It was interesting because Kieran Maguire on his on his tweet described player sale profits are volatile and erotic. It does ask a question how much he enjoys that sort of thing. But as he said, our strategy when you look at it seems to be that we sell our players when we're relegated in order to get the the wages off of the off of the bill. Yeah, that works to an extent, but obviously what we really need to do is get back to a point of moving the players on at the right time, one for the players, but also freeing up the conveyor belt for people coming in. At the moment, where we seem to have got to is the outgoing is still switched on, 
but the incoming appears to be switched off or we are not being able to scout and find that new talent to bring it in and to be able to nurture it. It could also be argued that we are not in the best position and we don't have the best team necessarily to offer a shop window for these players. But this is how the accounts offer some form of insight, even if it's just by way of offering more questions about what the long-term strategy is to solve this. If we are not trading profitably, then we need to play a trade in order to cover those losses. That's just FFP. We as a club in the championship, uh, you know, the FFP environment is that providing... The owner is subsidising the debt, and he is. Watford are allowed to lose £13 million a year. Now, what happens is that then gets checked after three years. Therefore, effectively, that rule really means you can lose £39 million in three years. Now, bearing in mind, we'd lost £27 million this year before player trading. Last year, we'd lost a lot more of that after player trading anyway. So this is good husbandry to try to do everything to reduce the debt. However, if it's dependent on player trading, we need to see that player trading model start up again. Now, we have seen Ben Manga and Cristiano Giretta come through and exit in, if not ignominy, it's certainly been a failure of that particular strategy. We now have Gianluca Nani in, who has come in and done not an awful lot in the in the transfer window visibly the hope has to be that he is putting the items correct behind the scenes in order to make sure that when we get to the end of this window or the end of this season and the window opens up that we are in a position to help the manager and help the squad and make some good recruitment in order to make sure that next next year we are able to be successful on the pitch in order that that rep, that basically manifests itself as good player sales in the following year we have to embrace in my opinion to be a player trading model either that or we have to get up into the premiership preferably both i don't see them as mutually exclusive if we bring in some players who are cost effective and we act as a stepping stone club but we do well enough to get into the uh, get into the i don't know the play by the playoffs or something like that i appreciate people will be looking at this going why on earth do you think we're going to have a promotion side next season? There has to be some kind of strategy in place to not only play and be reasonably competitive in the championship, but also to produce players who will be seen as you know eligible to push on to the top five leagues in Europe in order that we can actually create and cover that loss. So where is that half million a week loss coming from? Well, interest costs as we've covered over the last two of these, are in excess of £100,000 a week. That's just going out to pay the interest. The interest on the debt that we currently have is is basically over £100,000 a week. So 20% of our loss um, each week is literally just covering is just covering the, the, the debt that's already there. The player sales obviously have allowed us to convert that £27 million loss to a £24 million profit before tax. So that's going well, but as I've mentioned earlier, we need to protect that player trading model. I can't say that high enough for my for my position. In terms of the debt and the borrowings, we have to reach back to Parlacci Gino, the, the meeting that the fans had with both Gino Pozzo and Scott Duxbury in the summer. And during that, Scott Duxbury made a statement where he said, in two years, we will be debt-free. And when he said about those two years, because I was asking, well, you'd said previously you were consolidating it into a £50 million loan and that that was going to be all paid up in two years 
from the previous year. Now, of course, don't forget, we're looking back to June. His comment was that they basically consolidated to one loan from Macquarie Bank of 50 million and that that was basically what he had to worry about. It also echoed words that he had said to Andrew French in the Watford Observer previously. His comment was that would be down to 29 million and the, the next year, which would be June 2024, we would be down to zero debt. Now, we looked into that and discussed it because it didn't feel right. There was no way we were going to get down from 124 million down to no debt in that time. What he was referencing was what I would term as operational debt, debt that is actually levied on the club or leveraged on the club itself and not owed to Gino Pozzo. Now, that's a vital thing. There's a couple of ways that the club look at debt. And I think, well, actually, there's three. There's this operational debt, which was £50 million, and it's what Scott has to worry about. He has to worry about playing the paying the interest on that. He has to worry about that, that going back uh, and clearing that in that time. There is also debt owed to the owner, which, as he said... Um, and as he'd also said in in Andrew's previous piece, when when Andrew first came back to the uh, to, to the Watford Observer, he basically turned around and said the money owed to the owner is a typical model in football. It is his investment in the club. Effectively, he will not take it out of the club. And he confirmed at Palacci Gino again that he would not be doing so, only verbally, but he did it in front of uh, you know kind of eighty odd witnesses there, and he didn't have to worry about that. Now there was there was various things that were that were odd last year. And you had to take into account actually reading the Watford FC accounts in combination with the Hornet Investment Limited accounts. Hornet Investment Limited is the holding company. Basically, it sits above it in the hierarchy of Watford FC Limited. So think of WFC Limited as the club and the owner bit, you know, the, the, the company that owns the club is Hornets Investment Limited. And there were some things that kind of went between them because we were trying to understand what was going on. It was all a little bit strange. The third type of debt, because you've got this, what I call, you know, kind of third party debt, you've got debt owed to Gino. The third party, the, 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 the third definition of debt is what we call factored debt. Now, if you listen to the podcast, you probably know this already, but anybody who hasn't, I will explain factored debt momentarily if we sell a player to a club then typically the transfer fee is paid to Watford over the length of the contract of that player going to that club we also buy players on this basis as well it's kind of it's kind of standard however what Watford do with Macquarie Bank again the same people who gave us this 50 million pound loan for the for the operational debt you can go to them and say right we have sold let's say Yao Pedro we have sold him to Brighton for 10 million pounds and these aren't actual figures these are just round numbers to demonstrate the point Brighton will pay us 30 million pounds when we sell him and the other 20 million pounds will come on for example the anniversary of the sale so we sold him in april 23 um we will get it back in we'll get another 10 million in april 24 and another in april 25 now if the club wants that cash or needs that cash for whatever reason, it goes to Macquarie and says, right, OK, well, we've got 10 million coming next year and we've got 10 million coming the following year. Give us 9 million for the one that's two years away and give us 9.5 million for this one. And when that payment comes in, you get the 10 million. So effectively, the interest is paid when the buying club pays it through. So effectively, you're almost paying the interest by taking less of it up front. That's what happens. Now, that's called factored debt because what happens is you're taking a loan out as Watford FC for 
the, the money that you've got in, which in that case, a nine million and a nine and a half million, eighteen and a half million pounds, Watford have got the debt for. However, the payment is going to be made by Brighton once that comes through. Is it debt? Yes. Do the club consider it to be debt? No. They think of that as, well, that's actually reliant on a receivable item that we're going to get through that's going to pass through. It's not really sort of down to us. But is it debt? Yes, it is debt. It, it is counted in these numbers. Now, the problem is, is that the these numbers have basically combined the Macquarie debt of both factored debt and also the organisational operational debt. So we can't tell how much of which is which in terms of, uh, you know, Scott's statement that we would be down to, I think it was 29 million this year of that operational debt. You just can't see it. It's It's been made, it's either opaque or it's been made to be opaque. We can't see whether that's the case uh, overall. But the point being is the debt overall, the most important part of this overall debt, that's including all three of those definitions of debt, comes down from 124 million to 115.3 million. Two years ago, it was 138, last year 124, this year 115. It's going in the right direction and it speaks to good financial husbandry of the club. But obviously, you can look at what we've got in the team and decide whether or not we've got enough to cover things going forward or whether we're recruiting enough because one comment that's been made a number of times on Twitter is we haven't got any more gems left to sell. That's a reasonable observation to make. Whilst we have reduced the debt overall by around 9 million from 124 down to uh, 115, there was another item in in the in the accounts which was talking about the amount that was owed to Udinese. According to the latest figures, since June 2023, Watford have sold players for 19 million and bought 3 million from Udinese, but overall we owe Udinese another 19 million. So, if we take that back to the overall debt reducing by 9 million, but now we owe 19 million to Udinese, you could argue that it's gone up. It will need to be seen, it will need to be explained. The real thing that we need to, to to see or the benefit to have and at your place that would be both financial and strategic would be to have somebody like Emiliano Russo, who was the finance director who was there at the Palacci Gino event. That would be great. And it would also be great to have uh, a Scott Duxbury and indeed a Gino Pozzo would be nice to understand how do these finances impact onto the strategy of what we're doing get a bit of an understanding in terms of the feel and the flavour. It feels like things are going in the right direction, but... The estimate that we owe Udinese potentially a further 19 million feels a little bit strange. So there's still some questions to be answered, but overall it seems and it feels like the things are going in the right direction. Last year, we saw a massive increase in one of the cost items, which was other operational costs, and it shot up inexplicably. We have asked about this. No answer has been forthcoming. However, it has now reduced. It went up north of 40 million. This is other operational costs as a definition in the item. Uh, up to 44 million it has now recovered back to uh, well below 30 million it might be interesting to know and understand it that again feels like it's moving in the right direction the loss in wages is moving in the right direction from what we can see steady removal of third party debt is moving in the right direction this is all good husbandry from a financial point however we are still hemorrhaging cash on a weekly basis and the only way that the club can see this being done and this is as per Scott and as per Gino last summer and it's as per the accounts here is having a player trading model the question is is how many gems can you sell if you're not buying any 
you're not buying any rough diamonds to polish up, where's that particular income stream going to come from? And of course, it's a catch-22 because it's going to cost you money when you're trying to save money at the time. So this is why we would hope that Nani is coming in and has a really, really strong recruitment strategy or development strategy for the academy, or preferably both, in order that we either go and identify gems and bring them in actively, or we grow our own. Both of those things are fraught with competition from other football clubs. Things such as the elite player performance plan means it's really hard for us to keep hold of really elite level players. Harry Amas, for example, going off to Manchester United being a key point of that. The same problem that we had, obviously, with Jadon Sancho when he was in the the academy of Watford, but was able to go off for, for a pittance. It's very hard to do either of these. They are somewhat close to alchemy if you can do it. And over the last few seasons, I would suggest that we... We have been less successful in doing so. However, that's the strategy. That's the strategy. So an improvement, not as alarming as previously. Maybe part of that is because we are used to having debt over 100 million leveraged on the club. And don't forget, when it's leveraged, it's leveraged on items at the club as well, the ground, etc. All of this is, is, you know, kind of material assets that are leveraged against already. The question will also therefore be about the wider strategy of bringing in further investment. Well, there have been, you know, rumours this week that the, uh, the, the the previously reported investors are no longer involved. We don't know if that's the case or not. However, it would make sense to try to bring in additional money. But if you are hemorrhaging uh, losses of half a million pounds a week, how much do you think somebody's going to be keen to come in and do that when the owner is allegedly valuing the club at 120 to 150 to, 100, to 200 million, depending on reports? If something's making a loss uh, of 27 million pound a year, it's valued value has to be questioned. You mentioned termination fees last year. How much did we pay for terminations this year? Yes, good point. I didn't say, did I? Uh, last year, it was in excess of seven million. It took out all of the the match day revenue that, that that we had. It was the same kind of value. This year, it's it's greatly reduced. It's just under two million. But the thing you have to kind of remember is obviously part of that will be Rob Edwards and his team going. Another part will be Slavin Bilic. What it won't include is any severance for Chris Wilder because, of course, he was just bought in on a short term contract. But lower wages and less severance for certainly managers. How much of that is termination of players like last year? We don't really know, but it's certainly a lower figure, which is sort of a positive out of a negative of having to fire them, if that makes any sense at all. That makes sense? Yeah, it does, yeah. The other thing is, if we haven't got the money to sign anyone Mm -hmm. and develop these gems, what are our options? I like the fact you're using my gems word. It's a good word. (laughs) It's a good word, and I like to use it more often in conversation. So there are... There are, there are two ways of looking at it. One is, and, and it comes back to the fundamental question at the start of that, which is how profitable has the player trading model actually been? And that's a fundamental because the first thing you would do is look to bring in additional uh, external funding, which is, of course, what we're trying to do in order to then afford those players and those gems to come through. Now, what's going to make somebody's decision on that is to whether or not, one, we are investable for whatever reason. And, of course, lots of people will look at, they'll be doing all sorts of due diligence etc and it sounds like according to Andrew's piece that came out today that there are two groups looking and one has decided to withdraw and the other is kind of taking a long time but they'll be doing due diligence over a long period of time and they'll look at a whole nest of things uh, as to whether that's the case but if you bring in investment you would then have that investment to make those 
player funds available and therefore go and kind of re-energize that particular policy. If we don't bring that in and we don't sign players, then effectively there is only one strategy open to them, and that is to massively cut costs further. You cannot sustainably go on basically with uh, weekly losses of half a million. There's only one thing you can do. If you can't grow, you've got to cut and that is um, that's not a nice thought. I, I still maintain that other than signing players due to a lack of funds, they've actually done most of what they said they were going to do at Parlacci Gino. And these accounts are moving in the right direction. And we've got the players that we you know have sold and potentially we could have potentially other players to be sold. But what after, I mean, and I've, I've called it as Andrews, I've called it as Kone, and I've called it as um, as a spree. Yeah, yeah, as the ones with the resale value at the moment. Other players could develop, other players could come through the academy. But, you know, other than Ryan Andrews, nobody seems to be trusted. Well, if we have to cut our cloth, they're going to have to start trusting that academy group, one, as a cost reduction model, and secondly, as an opportunity to try to grow our own. It's going to put even more emphasis on Jimmy Gilligan and Richard Johnson producing the academy products as a short and medium term rather than a long-term project. Obviously, what we hope is that they can bring in some finance and can can get back to making that model work, but it will have to work. It will have to work. There won't be any room. There won't be any room for the Obialaris or the Sven Kums or the <laughs> or, 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 or even and definitely not the Andre Grays or Ishmael Assars. We're going to have mm. to, if we are buying players, we're going to have to bring in a fresh group of players who can develop and then make some some cash out of the back of that to pay for the rest of the model. One thing is is important: the grow or cut aren't mutually exclusive. I should say that, well, that could and probably should be happening even as we speak. That's what I was going to say. Where where are we going to cut from? Where can we cut back on? Oh, I'm sure there'll be a remarkable amount of things that they can still they can still cut down on. If you've got half a million pounds worth of stuff flowing out, now as I mentioned, over a hundred thousand of that is debt. You're not going to cut it there. It's going to be cutting, and I, I hate the thought of it. But the the rest of the wage bill, it could be, and you know, look how lean we have become as a squad. That's a that's a huge amount. They've reduced the wage bill to forty eight million. If we are having a turnover once the uh, parachute payment is done, spent, and everything else is gone, of circa thirty five million, you can't have a budget of that. It's going to be cheaper players. It's got to be. Well, in, in that case, then you're going to have to hope that you've got a manager that can whip these players into a a proper team and a proper squad, and that will fight for each other and play for each other. And like you say, the days of Andre Gray and Sarah very much gone and yeah, we're going to have to start promoting through the ranks by the looks of things then. Well, yeah. And of course, another thing that is uh, another cost to the club is the running of the academy. It needs yeah, somebody to look. You've oh, got no, to get a player somewhere. I right? agree got- with you completely. You're pushing a completely open door, but I'm not the one making the decision. You're not the one making the decision. And uh, with the exception of, you know, maybe one or two people, if they actually bother to listen to this, you're not the one who makes the decision either, Mr. Mister or Mrs. Listener. It's kind of, it's down to the people as to whether or not they look at it and think, do we have trust in the academy bringing them through? We mentioned the other the other week that, you know, I've, I've heard from, uh, from comments about, you know, the stuff that Jono and Jimmy Gilligan have been doing is excellent work. It'll bear long-term fruit, but, but, 
it needs to get to there. So uh, I, I think it's going to have to be an element of speculation, you know, perhaps in the lower leagues, as a lot of people have said about, you know, the, the English and indeed the Scottish league have got a number of little gems that you could take and you could polish up and do what the Pozzos have done successfully on a lot of occasions. But of course, we remember, as I say, we remember the Al Pedros, we remember the Richarlison's, the Sven Kums, yeah, not so much. <laughs> you know, there's been a lot of deals that have been shall we say, strange in their nature. And they certainly haven't been beneficial to Watford Football Club on a financial footing. Those can't happen anymore because there just isn't going to be the lean on it. Effectively, what we're doing is we're going back to, you know, I won't say the Bassini model, but certainly the pre-Pozzo model of having to cut our cloth accordingly. I know it's not nice. I know it's not palatable. And it's why we've been looking at this now. This is our third time of looking at the accounts. I wanted to do something different with it and link it to the strategy as to how we're going. Because first of all, this is a profitable set of accounts. This has worked. This is the model working. That's not the question. You know, we've, we've kind of made a profit. We've reduced debt. Although the Udinese figure kind of gives me an issue with that. We'll see how how details of that come out, whether or not it's in addition or if it's included within the accounts. You just can't say uh, from what we've got here, but certainly more qualified people than I will be, I'm sure, pouring over that. But it, it's just a question of saying, that's worked this year. How does that work next year? Because strategy mm. is about seeing these things and what we do to move it forward. And this is just my take of, you know, taking the Palacci Gino statements and what we've seen with the club. And the thing has, that has stopped is the player trading. The other thing that has stopped is bringing in the external investment. And if you do marry those two things together, and I might be completely wrong, then it, you know you can see well he hasn't got the money to pay it. The the money you know we, we talk about the thirty million pound and uh, you know maybe I don't know about eighteen million or thirteen million for for Sar and going where's that gone? We're losing half a million pounds a week. And now you can also argue that well. Who has created the environment that is losing half a pound a week? You know, who's been in charge for the last, you know, since 2012? It's it's their problem that they're having to solve with our club, but realistically with his money. So it's it's a very difficult one to see. But uh, hey-ho, there we are. That's that. Them's the breaks. Don't be too depressed about it because, you know, if we have to cut our cloth accordingly, you know, we shall. And we'll, we'll, we'll see where it takes us. But don't forget that all these things, you know, the accounts, what we see on the football pitch, uh, well, for Larian Ishmael has in order to, you know, kind of play with the width of it, the width and the quality and the breadth of his squad, they all intermingle because they all have to be paid for somehow. And it's uh, it's not an easy set of balls to keep juggling, I would suggest, mm. you know, <laughs> but one thing is for certain, we cannot keep hemorrhaging half a million pound a week. We either have to grow or further cuts will be made. Yeah, this, this very much reminds me of the mid mid noughties under Ray Lewington, where we were getting Wayne Brown in on loan and Neil Ardley on the left. I just got a horrible feeling we're going to be returning to those days. But I'd, I'd cut but, your hand off at the moment for Neil Ardley and, and Wayne Brown. <laughs> um, you know, I think you, you just you just picked out two people who could be quite reliable providers of things. Um, yeah, okay. no, it, it's, it's not far. It's not far from that. We are effectively, if you like, your Andrew Lloyd Webber. We are going through seven years of famine, of, uh, famine after seven years of feast. That ain't the order to do it in. You know what no. you do is when you're in, when you're ha- when you've had the seven years of a uh, feast, you're supposed to stockpile. If you all remember Joseph and his technicolor dream. Yes, I was going to say this is getting very biblical. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I went to Andrew Lloyd Webber rather than biblical, but you know me. You know, <laughs> you know, always one for a musical. It's it's just a. It's basically we are going through austerity, both outside and now the football club is doing it. And we can look and we can 
we can talk and we do about obviously the two relegations and the pandemic and all of that and that won't have helped at all but this this level of overspend started earlier than that it started earlier than that and then this came along and didn't help either so it's 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 a perfect storm upon a perfect storm upon a perfect storm i think these accounts show that actually what these guys have done over the last 2 years in fairness is heading in the right direction the question is have they have they cut enough in terms of, you know, and I'm talking about sustainability of the club, or was it, well, look, we kind of still have sort of half a go at the Premiership. And I appreciate I'm the one who's, you know, talking about the uh, uh, talking about the, the transfer window and going, well, we haven't, you know, we haven't done this and we haven't done that and we haven't done that. This may well be the reason why. Mm. In fact, I would say it certainly is. Look, guys, if you've got any questions, obviously we'll be doing the Twitter spaces uh, tomorrow after the Leicester City game. Feel free if you want to talk about this or if you just want to go and hide in a hole, that's fine also. Um, you know, it, it might be what we do. But obviously we're taking on the uh, the top of the table uh, tomorrow. So, yeah, there may be enough to worry about after that anyway. Or who knows, we may see a fine, battling, resilient performance and then we probably still lose 1-0, never mind. Guys, we'll see you very soon. You ons. You ons. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. <whistles> at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.